Well, if you're new to Faith Bible Church, I'm Pastor Steve, and it's a joy to be with you today and open up the Word of God. Today we are continuing in our series through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And today we are looking at just three verses in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to open us up just in some prayer. Father, we have declared praise to you this morning. You are worthy of our praise. And we have come before you as a needy people. And as we have declared your worth and our need, we ask you now to, by your Holy Spirit, show us from your word what you would have to teach us today. Teach my heart and all of our hearts here. Encourage us in who you are through your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've noted in our series through the Sermon on the Mount that in this teaching where Jesus has many gathered before him, most likely just sitting on a hill in front of him, that he is giving pictures of how a person who is right with God should live. And in so doing, he actually defines the righteousness that's required to enter his kingdom. Now there's a problem because many of those who are gathered before him are religious leaders. And they think they are already right with God. And Jesus in these chapters points out that they're not. In chapter 5, he shows them error in what he believes. And here in chapter 6, he shows them their error in what they do. And as the chapter opened, Jesus points out his central idea of chapter 6 in the first half of verse 1. Here it is. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. And that's what's what that's what's going on. Jesus outlines three different acts of devotion that a devout Israelite worshiper would do before the Lord. He starts out by talking about giving to the poor or giving alms in chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. Then he moves to talking about prayer in chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. And today, in chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, we're going to look at fasting. And in each of these, in almsgiving, in prayer, and in fasting, the religious leaders of Jesus' day have taken those good things and have perverted them, have taken them and used them for their own means, to draw attention to themselves. And so Jesus, in these verses, is, is actually redeeming those things. He's He's showing what it looks like to have the right heart in giving to the poor. He shows us what it looks like to actually pray to the Father from a good heart, from the right perspective. And in verses 16 through 18, he's going to show us what it means to truly fast before the Lord. And we're going to see that fasting is hungering for God and God alone. 
I'm going to read these three verses. You can follow along in your copy of the scripture. Matthew chapter 6, starting the reading verse 16. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men while they're fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. So Jesus comes to this third act of devotion. And predominantly those who are hearing him teach practice fasting. We're not used to fasting so much today. It's not maybe normal in our Christian experience. We're going to talk about it this morning and talk about how we can honor God in fasting. But in Jesus' day, it was very common. But many who are hearing him are doing it for the wrong reasons. And so Jesus is going to show that God welcomes fasting. God accepts fasting. But when it's done for him, And him alone. As we come to verse 16. Notice that Jesus just assumes that his listeners are fasting. He doesn't say, if you fast. He says, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. Whenever you fast. It was common in Jesus' day to fast. In fact, Jesus tells a parable, a story with a point in the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 12. I'm going to read it. You can listen. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 12, where the key figure in the story practiced fasting, but for the wrong reasons. Luke 18, verse 9. He also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One is a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, even was unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner I tell you. This man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbled himself will be exalted. You see, Jesus, even in that parable, shows that fasting was commonplace. And a devout Hebrew worshiper would fast twice a week. So Jesus is not questioning the act of fasting. He's questioning the heart of fasting. And so he says, when you fast, don't put on a gloomy face 
as the hypocrites do, as people who are just playing a part. For they neglect their appearance. The English Standard Version says, disfigure their faces so that they will be noticed by men when they're fasting. So you can just picture these guys. They're fasting, but they're walking around town with just a facial expression of just heaviness. Probably almost like a frown on their face. They haven't taken care of themselves that morning. They look disheveled. They're downcast. And everyone around them can just see the weight of fasting on their face. Oh, he's fasting today. What a holy person. And Jesus says, you know why you do that? Because you're seeking something. He puts it this way in the end of verse 16. They do it so that they'll be noticed by men when they're fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. If your goal in fasting is to be noticed by people, Jesus says, and you're noticed by people, hey, you've attained it. You've got it. You've got your reward. You've been noticed. Now, Jesus wants to show that fasting can be good. God accepts fasting, but when it's done for Him and Him alone. When my wife Barbara and I first moved to Dallas, Texas, we moved to a gorgeous neighborhood, a street with mansions. And we lived in the servants' quarters of a mansion. Tennis courts on our property, swimming pool. It was just beautiful. On Seneca Lane in North Dallas. Then we moved from there into the slums and had rats in our apartment. But I showed my wife the best of both worlds. Around the corner from where we lived on this beautiful street, Seneca Lane, was kind of a famous church. Lovers Lane United Methodist Church. Huge. And you've heard everything's big in Texas. Well, that goes for churches too. And Lovers Lane United Methodist Church was a huge church. And Barbara had a co-worker who was a member there, she and her husband. And they invited us to attend one day, one Sunday morning, to church with them. The senior pastor of the church had his doctorate in worship And as we sat in that worship service, I had never experienced anything like it before. They, it was a huge auditorium and they had balconies in different places around the auditorium and they had stationed vocalists, singers that sang antiphonally in the worship time with trumpeters. And so people were singing from quadrant to quadrant and the trumpets were blaring and it was just the most I'd never experienced anything. Most of what I had experienced in a worship service was a bit more casual. Like the lady in our church in North Dakota that was doing special music and was doing a song that she'd written and it just kept going on and on and on as she bounced as she played. And and right in the middle of the song, right in rhythm, she said these words, Don't worry, Steve, I'm almost done. That's a little bit more what I was used to. But we're sitting in this auditorium, 
and we've got this antiphonal singing going and trumpets. It's just phenomenal. We finished the service and went out to dinner with our friends. And I was curious where they were spiritually. I asked the man, the husband, why did you guys choose to join Lovers Lane United Methodist Church? And without a, without a moment's hesitation, he said, it's been great for my business. He said, I've had so many new contacts. I've had so many new clients in my business because of being at the church. And that was his answer. It was sad. Do you think the Lord welcomes the worship of a person who is worshiping him for the wrong reasons? I don't think so. Whether it's prayer or singing or maybe an act of service that that maybe a person does to be noticed by somebody else. And that's what Jesus is saying here about fasting. So when you're fasting, don't do it to be noticed by somebody else. If that's your goal, that's what all you're going to get. Now, we see that fasting is present throughout Scripture. Remember the people of Israel when they were taken into captivity by Babylon. We know, for example, in the book of Zechariah, chapter 8, verse 19, that Israel fasted on a regular basis before the Lord when they were in exile. We know from the Old Testament scriptures that if someone wanted to humble themselves before the Lord and confess sin, that fasting would often be practiced with that heart attitude. For example, in Psalm 35 verse 13, the psalmist David says this, But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer kept returning to my bosom. If if Israel was in trouble, if if they were in desperation, They would fast. We see in the book of Judges, chapter 20, verse 26, a very sad passage where Israel is actually involved in civil war. Israelite killing Israelite. And it tells us in Judges, chapter 20, verse 26, that all the sons of Israel and all the people went up and came to Bethel and wept. Thus they remained there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening. And they offer burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So we see examples of, of fasting done from the, a good heart throughout Scripture. As we come to the New Testament, when we get past the Gospels, we see very little about fasting. We don't see Christians being commanded to fast. We don't even see fasting much in the practice of Christians, except we find in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, we find the early church 
fasting together. I'm going to read those two verses. Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So we see an example of the early church fasting and praying. Fasting can be a good thing. But my view is I don't see it commanded of New Testament Christians. If you don't feel led of the Lord to fast, I don't see you as somehow being disobedient. Or if you do choose to fast, say for example, one of the common ways we view fasting is fasting from food. If you do end up fasting, but find yourself being unloving to your spouse or your children or mean to your co-workers, fasting is not being done in a right way before the Lord. It'd be better not to fast. So I don't see fasting here as a matter of being obedient or disobedient to God as to whether we do it or not. But what we do see here is Jesus saying, if you're going to fast, fast before the Lord and Him alone. Not as a pick. Not as an opportunity. I have a Twitter account. Many of you are familiar with Twitter. It's social media. And uh, when Twitter first came out, it was predominantly, well, it was, it was just words. In fact, you, I think, if I remember right, you had to have a message on Twitter in 120 characters or less. I know what you're thinking. How could a preacher probably say anything in 120 characters or less? But I had a Twitter account. But most of all, I just use it to see what's happening in the news. It's interesting, a couple of years ago, they started allowing pictures to be embedded into Twitter. And now you hardly ever see someone do a post on their Twitter account without a picture. It was very obvious during the political season. And you'd see a politician maybe visiting a refugee camp and have the perfect pick of them talking to someone in a war-torn country. Of course, those of us who have just endured that cycle would probably look at that pick and say, does this politician really care about that refugee? Or does he just want to appear like he cares about the refugee? And what the Lord is saying about fasting here is if we just want to appear like we're seeking after God, God's not impressed. He doesn't welcome that. So he seeks fasting done for one reason. For those who are seeking him and him alone. So Jesus here has shown how it has been taken and used for a wrong reason. Now in verses 17 and 18, he in a sense redeems it. This is what 
fasting should look like by those who are genuine in their desire to hunger after God. That's what fasting is. It's hungering after God. Verse 17. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Go ahead and do your normal routine in the morning. Now, we don't anoint our heads today. If I did that, I'd have a nice sheen. I know I would. But in that day, they would use oil, probably like an olive oil, and they would use it on their head. They would bathe. They would look. He's saying, Jesus is saying, just look like you do any day. Why? So you don't draw attention to yourself. You see, Jesus is pointing out here that fasting is longing for God. It's hungering for God. And those who fast out of a longing for God, out of hungering for God, will find their reward is God himself. Verse 18. He's already said, wash your, when you fast, to anoint your head, wash your face, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Well, what's the reward? Remember in verse 16, Jesus has said, hey, if you're seeking in your fasting to be seen by people, great news, you've got it. That's your reward. So the reward in verse 18, if you're seeking God, in your fasting, God is your reward. Fasting is setting aside something, maybe something good, to seek out something that's the best. Fasting is not trying to impress people. It's seeking the Lord. Remember, we looked at it on Easter Sunday, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. And in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, the Apostle Paul wrote this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. You see, what drove the Apostle Paul was to know more of his Lord. And when we fast, that is our driving force. Our our driving force is to know more of him. Fasting is, is longing for more of Jesus. Fasting is is us saying, I want Jesus Christ's life to be replicated in my life so that when people see me, they see Christ in me. Fasting is seeking the face of God. It's hungering for Him more than anything else. I have not extensively practiced fasting in my life, but I have some. And one of the things that struck me as I have done different fasts is that when I feel the physical pain of hunger, it's almost been a reminder to me that while I feel 
a physical hunger, there's only one thing that will truly satisfy me, and that is God himself. That that physical hunger is a gateway of, of reminder that my greatest need, my greatest hunger, is a spiritual one. And it can only be satisfied in God himself. We can try to find satisfaction for the deepest needs of our soul in so many things, and they all disappoint. We can try to find it in our career. We can try to find it in our stuff. We can try to find it in our kids. We can try to find it in marriage. We can try to find it in being active in our community. We can try to find it in some act of service. It all falls short. The deepest needs of our soul are only found in one person, in the Lord himself. So Jesus says, you fast. The Lord honors it, but fast out of a hunger for God and God alone. I mentioned Dallas, Texas earlier. While I was finishing up my master's work in Texas, I was contemplating going straight into a doctoral program, working on a PhD until God radically changed the course of our lives and I became a pastor instead. And in my pursuing that pathway, I briefly looked at working on a doctorate in in Europe instead of the United States. It's a very different system. I can remember going with my father to his PhD classes at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln and sitting in class with him and have a professor go through the syllabus and talk about these are the different projects that are due and he had exams and uh, there's some coursework that he had to take, for example, in some fields you had to take probability and statistics. Well, in Europe, especially in England, you start out not by getting a bunch of course assignments. In fact, some programs there are no courses. You start out by declaring what you want to know at the end. You start out by saying, this is what I want my dissertation to focus on. This is the knowledge base I want at the end. And then you have to determine how to get there. There's nobody saying, okay, you need this class, this class, and this class. You have to work in conjunction with a set of, of, of guiding professors that, that, that help you set out a course of study that you have to do on your own. And there's no test along the way. You have to be motivated by one thing, the end. What you want to know. And what Jesus is saying here is the only way that fasting can be honoring to the Lord is if you're motivated by one thing. Who you want to know. And that's the Lord himself. And Jesus, having looked at giving for the wrong reasons and praying for the wrong reasons, comes to fasting and redeems it and says, if you're going to fast, do it for one reason, out of a hunger for the Lord, out of a hunger to know Him more than anything else. And as you set aside whatever that possibly good thing can be, it's done out of an act of devotion to the Lord 
and Him alone, saying that whatever this good thing is, He's the best thing. Fasting should be done out of hungering for the Lord and not for the praise of people. Father, I thank You for this passage and the reminder that You don't look at the outward act, You look at the heart. And we, before you as a church family, declare that you are worthy of our thirst and our hunger. That, as the Apostle Paul says, he just wants to know more of you. And we affirm, as a church family, that you are the one that deserve our heart. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.